Welcome to Bygone Geek. Loading another awesome episode in 3, 2, 1, launch. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? There's something very important I forgot to tell you. Come with me if you want to learn. Finally, Bygone Geek has come back to record episode 10. The first thing on the agenda says, never surrender. And there is no one that does it better than the macho man Randy Savage. Limousine light, jet flag, son of a gun. If you smell what the rock is cooking. Eric, this is a milestone episode for us. It's our 10th episode. We wanted to do something big. And what's bigger than WrestleMania? We're going to talk about, you know, what, uh, who or how we got into wrestling when we were kids, um, wrestling and pop culture. We're going to build our Mount Rushmore of wrestling. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, you know. So with that said, how did you get started with wrestling or sports entertainment? We'll call it wrestling. Okay. <laughs> it's like, when I was a kid, man, the 80s and 90s were just like wrestling was huge. Like it, it, it wasn't like, I feel like it was because it wasn't sports entertainment yet. It was like, people didn't know, is this real? Is this not real? Like what's going on here? Is this guy really taking himself seriously? Um, but I feel like because it was so prominent in just pop culture and stuff, as a young boy growing up, then it's just like every television commercial, it's like every other one had a wrestler in it. And it's like, you know, snapping into a slim gym, you know, it's just all of that stuff. And Hulk Hogan just being in tons of movies as well as wrestling. And um, so I can't quite pinpoint exactly when I first was introduced to it, other than I just feel like maybe when I was four, five, six, I just remember, I feel like probably getting my first wrestling toy and being like, oh my God, this guy is superhuman looking. And then realizing that that person is real. Like, getting like an ultimate warrior figure and then seeing the ultimate warrior. And you're just like, I didn't know people could look like this. <laughs> like they're right. just so superhuman. So yeah, like I just feel like my whole childhood, especially uh, in the late eighties and early nineties centered a lot ar around wrestling. Um, but uh, yeah. How about you? Like what was kind of your first introduction to it? Yeah. You know, I do think that kind of makes sense in, in the, in what we've talked about before, like American gladiators. Yeah. And like these just huge, freakish athletes, right? Yeah. Um, uh, and if you saw them in like you know Walmart or something like that, that's a that's not normal. No, um, not at all. <laughs> so I do have a question for you though, because we talk about like our family, you know. So I was always curious as if like your dad or your mom were into wrestling at all, and maybe that too. Like, did you ever just, yeah? Did you have any memories like that? I feel like I do, like, I can't specifically remember watching wrestling with my dad. I probably did because I know in later years, my dad and I got into, uh, <laughs> this is, I feel like we have so many episodes where we talk about things we shouldn't have been exposed to <laughs> at an early age, but I'm completely normal. Everything's fine. <laughs> that I remember watching the first UFCs with him where oh. you had to go get them from the video store. Yeah. And that was like the mid, I think the mid nineties. And so I just wouldn't be surprised if we did watch the occasional television show of wrestling. I know we never did a pay-per-view because they were just so expensive, but we did. I think just wrestling in general was a big part of my childhood because my dad just like, like we would just have fun wrestling him and trying to beat him. And my, it's just me and my sister. And it's like every night before bed, looking back, I realize now what a brilliant parenting move is that you tire out your kids. Yeah. With trying to wrestle a grown man, <laughs> that you're gonna sleep like a rock because you're just completely like you know fatigued. Um, you're gonna but, sleep like the rock. Yes, that's true. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I remember a lot of nights before we would go to bed. It wasn't reading a bedtime story. It was wrestling <laughs> each other. Uh, and then once we got into UFC stuff, it was just like who could submit the other person. So we're like bending pinkies back. That's all. That's all we could do to my dad. It's like you couldn't bend his arm back. You had to snag a weak pinky. <laughs> <laughs> and hope for the best. <laughs> this is why he got his revenge. Is he's sniping you in laser tag from the, the the attic? You know, 
like that, you guys were breaking his pinkies. Yeah, I'm trying to ruin his trigger fingers so he can't be an expert sniper anymore. Oh, that's awesome. I actually, yes, I, I currently do that with Harper uh, with the wrestling and stuff because we both get a kick out of it. I, uh, I actually taught her the people's elbow. Um, oh, nice. So, you know, the rock, he'll do that arm swing. Well, I start with the armband and then I do the arm swinging motion. And so she does that now, which is a lot of fun. But yes, it's all to one, my, for my own joy, but it's to tire her out. Yeah. Um, another thing I've taught her is uh, for, from Vince McMahon, you're fired. <laughs> um, and I tell her to go say that to her mother. <laughs> so, yeah, I can't wait till I get a call from like her principal saying, she fired the teacher. She just keeps saying, you're fired. Um, I remember when I came to visit that she said that. Okay. And it was just, I was shocked at the base. That she was able to get in her little two-year-old voice. Like, you're fired. It was, it was good. It was really good. I realize now the next thing I'm going to teach her is that walk. That Vince yeah. McMahon strut. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That would be um, hilarious. She comes downstairs out of her bedroom and she's just doing the strut. And you play the entrance music. Yeah, dropping the classic. people's elbow. Um, I don't think I'll teach her anything from Stone Cold. I don't. <laughs> I can't go there. So, um, so like for you, I know that. In the last episode when we talked about toys and we ended on wrestling toys, like you had mentioned that they were like so coveted to you because you, you know, you couldn't really watch it as a kid. So like, what, like, you know, did you have to sneak it? Like, what did, what did you, <laughs> what did you have to do? I stole again. No. Um, <laughs> Crime spree continues. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting. Like. I did have to sneak it at times. Um, my, my, I, I got to give a shout out to my uncle Ron. Mm. He liked wrestling. He liked video games. And um, I grew up, my mom was a single parent. And so like my uncles were people I, and my grandfather, but they were like people I latched onto for that male role model. And Ron was into things that I really loved. Mm -hmm. And I remember that he got my cousin an NWO shirt. Oh, and I, I remember this like it was yesterday. And then there's a reason because I wasn't allowed to have that shirt. I wasn't mm. allowed to have, I don't know why my mom, I just never was allowed to have it until now. <laughs> I'm wearing the Wolfpack in w, I got it. Um, I didn't steal it. I bought it. Um, you don't have a but, duffel bag full of those somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So I remember him giving it to her and it was like a glow in the dark version. I don't think she mm. liked it. And I was like begging, can I have it? Can I have it? And it never happened. But that's kind of a, an original memory for, with my uncle Ron is, is um, kind of how I got into wrestling. Um, he took me to my first two wrestling shows as a kid. Oh, nice. Um, and I don't remember the wrestlers we saw at the match, but I do remember I met Test, and he's no longer with us, and I met a wrestler named Albert. And I just – you talk, we talked about how these guys were, in, like, huge. Yeah. They were, like, just massive, yeah. massive mountains of people. Yeah. Here's another memory I have. I had to – my grandparents had a TV in their back bedroom, and the bedroom had a, a window to the driveway. Okay. So what I got to do was I got to watch TV back there, and I would stand by the TV. It's almost like when Michael Scott is watching his TV and he's standing <laughs> and watching it. I would do that, though, because I could see out the window to see when my mom pulled yeah, up. Nice. <laughs> and so I could flip the channel. <laughs> Some spy work at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> you, got, uh, you got a Slim Jim in one hand and binoculars in the other. <laughs> Exactly. Gosh, I love I I love Slim Jims. I to this, this day. day. Yeah, yeah, I know they're horrible for my stomach, and I they give me like horrible like heartburn and stuff. But yeah, it just tastes like my childhood. Oh, like, they destroy me, but I love them. Love them. Yeah, so, and it, it's just brilliant. Yeah, brilliant marketing to have. You know, the Macho Man Randy <laughs> Savage. You know, I feel like this whole entire episode, you started it off with a rock impression. I feel like I'm gonna have a lot of horrible. Like, of all things, though, wrestling is one of those ones, like, with Macho Man and Snapper do a Slim Jim. Like, it's just every part of them, like you were saying, not only their physique, but the way they talked and the way they dressed and the colors and everything was just, like, so larger than life and extra extravagant and just crazy. And I think that that's why kids uh, just our age, just, like, we gravitated to it is because they seemed like they were living cartoons and superheroes all combined. I yeah. think that's a, re a really great point. And I think, too, you're a little older than me. I think your wrestlers 
really did that. Like, yeah. think about what we talked about in the last couple episodes, the hoverboard, the super soaker, these vibrant neon style colors. Yeah. Sting started that way before he switched to the crow-like um, paint. The uh, Ultimate Warrior, Macho Man, Randy Savage, Hulk, yeah. these, these, these huge guys, but wearing pink, yeah. neon green, because yeah. that's what kids want. We love yeah. that. You know, yeah. it, you're right. I feel like pink was uh, was a huge thing. You know, I got my Macho Man hoodie on. You know, it's like the only time that I'm able to like comfortably wear you know pink uh pink tiger with stripes. Um, but like it, I remember when you, like you and I last David and I last winter we went to a wrestling show with a couple other friends, and um, and I like I wore this hoodie and the amount of guys in their 30s that were like I love that hoodie man that's an yes. awesome hoodie. <laughs> Like they were just like it, it, the Macho Man with these colors and everything was just like, yeah, it's just embedded into our child brains, and then we keep it now into our our mid thirties and <laughs> you know late thirties and people into their forties and stuff. It um, yeah, the amount of guys that wore wore pink was was huge. You know, you had Brett Brett uh, Brett Hart. Did it, man Hart. Like yes. he's just he was like that was a bright bright pink, and he, I feel like he had he had his tights were pink. You know, he had like a pink jacket and stuff, and he had the cool. At that one point, he had kind of those cool Doc Brown glasses yes, that he wore, like those shades. And then just the, and even that too, like they had that long kind of like you know, uh, '80s '90s hairband hair, yeah. you know. And it just it looked so cool. Like I feel like other, unless you were in Bon Jovi or you were in the WWE or WWF <laughs> at the time or WCW. Those are the only two categories that you could pull off looking like that, <laughs> right? Like, and be so hardcore looking, like so intimidating. Like it was, it was so cool. Well, I love it. He, this goes back to my my love for jackets. You know, Hitman. He he. Okay, what do I need to complete this? A leather jacket. Yeah. All yeah. right. You know, but I love I love that. And and to interject for a second, I was going to say when you talk about your obsession with jackets and things like that just as irrational as it was for you to wear a jacket in the desert what other irrational place to wear a leather jacket than going into wrestle in a ring (laughs) the irrationality of both is just crazy like (laughs) and his shades he's inside yeah you're inside but it it added to the whole persona (laughs) sorry uh mr hart mr hitman Uh, (laughs) um you you brought up you brought up well wwf and then they lost to the panda, had to change it to WWE, and then WCW. Do you can you can you legitimately say as a kid what you were into more in in the sense of even more you know whatever? But what could you pick one? Here's what's interesting is when I was thinking about this, I very much I feel like uh, when it came to knowing the wrestlers, it was WWF. It okay. was it was Hogan. It was Macho Man. It was Ultimate Warrior. It was Big Boss Man. It was all of the like the introduction of Undertaker. Like it was all of those guys. But weirdly, I w- like when I looked back at like uh, just old VHS tapes I had. The majority of toys that I got were WCW. It was a WCW okay. ring. It was it was a Ric Flair. It was like so. I think weirdly, either in our area. Or just maybe WCW knocked it out of the park more than WWF originally did when, with merchandising. I feel like all of my toys for a couple of years were solely WCW, but in my mind, I didn't know the difference because I feel like I was probably five, six, seven, and I just thought, okay, like a wrestling figure is a wrestling figure, you know, a caged in ring, you know, like toy was just that's the ring that i would see on tv or something like that um but yeah there was a clear-cut split for a while where all i had was wcw toys and then later i feel like i started getting the big kind of barrel chested figures that wwf made um and i think mainly because my uh i had a friend named robert that uh, i went to school with all the way up through through high school that he was huge into wrestling and he had an entire, every time you go over to his place, he had a tub, like <laughs> probably a three foot tub that he would dump out. And it was every single one of those, like, what was it? Has, were they ha- yeah, Hasbro, the big barrel chested ones. Yeah. Like it was every single figure and he had multiple rings and it was just like, oh my God, like this is just mind blowing. Just so been- cool. He must have been really good at stealing them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I can definitively say, and I'm the same way, WCW, because I feel like they were more cartoonish, more yeah. 
I just remember WCW Nitro and the fire and just the staging and there was this orange. Um, I just gravitated to the, to the to them more. Um, I even uh, grew up like there was a weird shift. I finally got to watch wrestling. I even got to be a um, a wrestler for Halloween, and I was kind of a mix of Macho Man, Sting. Uh, my mom even made me like a WCW belt. Like so, oh, there wow. was a weird shift. Yeah, but I gotta give. I can't not. I gotta give credit to my mom in the sense of like what I was should or should not be viewing. Because honestly, wrestling was like, <laughs> scandalous isn't the right word, but I mean, there was a lot of half-dressed ladies yeah. Yeah. and things like that. You know, the Nitro Girls, um, there was, I can honestly say like, hey, I'm sure young David, like, you know, that that might have stood out. But I really did generally just want to watch the wrestlers. Yes, yeah. But I had to give credit to mom and like, you know. Even even in the, the glory days of wrestling, like with Ric Flair and Hogan and Macho Man, more so with Flair. Flair had like promos where he's talking about the, like he's just swooning the ladies. And it's just a whole audience full of women who are yeah. just like catcalling him. Like, and he was, he was hot stuff. Like he really was and with, his, with his just wispy white hair. And like he, yeah, he was uh, quite a character, but even... Even he Hogan, still is. yeah, he is. He's still, yeah, he's, Mr. Flair. You know, yeah. you know. Yeah, we give you props, Mr. Flair. Like he's just, he somehow, even through his health issues over the years, he's never lost his swagger. Like he's, he's the most confident human being ever on the planet Earth. <laughs> like he really yes. is. <laughs> you know, and it's so not to really like deep dive into this, but you talk about Flair. We talk about Hogan. As I looked back into wrestling, and I think you even said like you you brought up the merchandise of stuff you had and all this and that. And we'll, we'll get to that, but like the whatever wherever you lived that wrestler was popular like they had their territories it's true yeah and i'd be intrigued to just look back at what toy sold the best or what guy was more popular and what yeah. state wrestling has had this kind of transition to where it was kind of like you know uh if you went to a live show it was in a local fairground or it was in like it was kind of like this nitty-gritty sort of thing and you didn't know if it was real or you didn't know it was fake. And then it transitions into, you know, Vince McMahon claiming pretty much that like, I'm, this is the World Wrestling Federation. You don't wrestle anywhere else. We're right. going to get all the television rights. We're going to do WrestleMania. And then the second that first WrestleMania happened where it's like, you know, Hogan, Mr. T, Cindy Lauper, like just iconic people of every yes. single field uh, of music and acting and things like that. There was no turning back. Like it was no. just it from that point on. It was a uh, it was a spectacle. WWE, a spectacle. Right. And then for you to witness the shift of of like the Attitude Era with uh, WCW coming up and being kind of the younger kid on the block and the cooler right. kid on the block, it's a uh, it keeps you on your toes. Like it, it, like wrestling, especially as a kid, was really really cool. Yeah, you talked about keeping on your toes. If you look back at it now on the timeline, you you grew up with you said Hogan, yeah. Macho, uh, Warrior. Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. Then I don't know, ten, twelve years later, maybe now those guys are in WCW. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Isn't that just wild? Like, well, and they're all like in their forties and just still doing it. And yeah. like, it's it's the long term wrestlers are, are it's crazy people that do it for three, four, five. You know, decades. Um, it, it's it's quite amazing. You don't see that in any other sport. That just doesn't yeah. it doesn't exist. Now, before we get into uh, merchandise, pop culture, and wrestling matches, I I gave a shout out to my mom. I also have to apologize to my mom. <laughs> I ruined so many of my black dress uh, church socks because I would cut them and make them armbands. So I could uh, do the rocks move. Nice. <laughs> All of my black dress socks I cut. And I also have to apologize because I'm pr I am probably broke her bed more times than I can count because I was doing the moves. Yeah. And uh, so I just remember that. And uh, I, so sorry, sorry, Mom. <laughs> no, it's it, it's a good point. As a kid, anything that had any sort of spring to it. So like if it was a couch, if it was a mattress, if you had a friend that was you were lucky enough to have a trampoline, it was nothing but aerial wrestling moves. Like that's all yes. that would come from it. Yeah, I just those were good, good memories, and it's that's awesome that you're doing that with Harper too. Because that, as much as we reminisce that, she's gonna reminisce that too. Oh, for sure. <laughs> what memories do you have of of kind of wrestlers and pop culture when you were a kid? 
I feel like the first would probably be the movies that Hogan was in. Suburban Commando. And what was the other one? Uh, was Mr. It Nanny? Nanny. Mr. Nanny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I always confuse it with uh, there's a Mr. Mom that Michael Keaton was in around the same time. <laughs> but it's like, oh, that's not the same movie. Um, but uh, yeah, it, I think for me, the first exposure to a wrestler in pop culture probably was Hogan in, okay. in his movies. I have to say, Young David loved both of those two. Like those, it's so, I, I think we were allowed to, maybe that was like my mom's way of like, okay, kind of give and take. You can watch these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, that that gear he had in Suburban Commando looked sick as a kid. Yeah. Now I'm like, laser tag gear looks better. Yeah, yeah. I'm sensing that. an apology to Mr. Hogan. Mr. Sorry, Hogan. Mr. Hogan. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, we, we can't blame you for how bad the costume designer was on the set, but you should have had some sort of a creative approval to know that, yeah, I look like I'm going to a weekend laser tag match. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Hogan, with all your creative control and wrestling, you should yeah. have had that in your uh, you know, film career, um, if we call it that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's insane how these big name action stars did this type of movie yeah okay and i don't know if hogan did it first or if arnold did it but like arnold did you know those kind of i'm babysitting kids like kindergarten yeah. uh, uh cop yeah mr nanny they're all you know hogan's rocking a ballerina outfit then you think too okay the rock did it in the game yeah. plan yeah. then diesel did it in pacifier like yeah it kind of it's entertaining. It writes it something like this big macho guy is going to be the babysitter. But yeah. I feel like Hogan and Arnold paved the way for some of that stuff. There, there is this natural progression for action stars to pivot to, like with Arnold, like you said, Kindergarten Cop, Twins. You know, yeah. like all of those kind of goofy ones that he put in the middle. That you're like, oh wait, he's kind of a, you know, he he can be a badass at times, but he's also kind of this big lovable, <laughs> you know, teddy bear who goes to the weight room three times a day. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. <laughs> Now, one memory I have of of Hogan too, in movies was Rocky Three. Yeah, and how Thunderlips that, <laughs> that was his name. Thunderlips. He tosses Rock, uh, Sylvester Stallone, you know, and you're like, as a young David was like, what is happening here? Yeah, you know, and even so, Rocky's kind of looking around like, what's going yeah. on here? That was but, such a cool scene, and and now that I think about it, that might have actually been my first time seeing. Right. Hogan. Okay. But yeah, I like to this day that that's such a cool scene and I feel like they did a good job kind of depicting uh that kind of struggle at the time of uh, you know half the population didn't know whether or not wrestling was real and the other half yeah. didn't know if it was fake. You've ta- you've ta- you brought this up a couple times. Okay, so let's just let's just talk about it real quick. Okay. And I don't, don't want to use the F word. I don't want to <laughs> say fake. Um I didn't know it was scripted. How's that yeah. sound? Right. And I just, it was like watching a movie. I had no idea that, not to say that the belts don't matter, but because it's scripted in that sense. Right. It's entertaining, it's storyline. But like my, I remember like my grandfather telling me like, <laughs> he said, I could just punch Hulk Hogan and he'd fall down. Like, and I was just like, you can punch Hulk Hogan, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, and so, you know, it wasn't until years later, it was like, okay, these are, these are athletes. Yes, these are real bodies and these are moves, but the actual script, these are things that are, are pre-thought out. Yeah. But yeah. it still never fazed me. I, it's like watching a movie to me or yeah. a soap opera or whatever. Yeah. You know, but what do you, did you have that memory of a realization of, of that? I think so. I do remember there being conversations in like elementary school Mm. where you just, you get any group of little boys together in like the the nineties. For some reason it was, it was this dynamic of, is it real or is it fake? And that was the whole talk. And then, yeah, I don't think any of us could compute that it was pre-scripted and, 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 um, and all of that sort of stuff, or even that these two opponents could be friends, like, they, yeah. I feel like as kids, they did such a good job of convincing you they despise each other. How can and, the guy just take a chair shot and then they go have a beer? You know, yeah, like that's exactly. not normal. Yeah. As a young kid, I was convinced that these larger-than-life guys, that this was the hero, this was the villain, I'm supposed to cheer for this guy and he needs to beat this guy up. Yes. Um, and yet yep. somehow they would come back each week and they were fine. <laughs> Like, right. You know, there's, I think The Undertaker was buried. Uh, he was killed on live TV. Yeah. And he's back a month later. Yeah. Uh, you know, but he spent so much time in caskets. 
he did. <laughs> I'd like to know uh, like what percentage of his career was just laying under the stage or laying in a casket waiting for a producer to say, come out now. <laughs> it's probably more time in those spaces than he was in the ring. <laughs> Which is, he's a big guy. So, yeah, he's a huge you know, guy. I have to ask too, you talked about the Slim Jim commercials. Do you remember the Chef Boyardee commercials with the wrestlers? Oh my goodness. I think I do. I didn't even, I was trying to rack my brain about different commercials. And I, yeah, I do remember. I don't remember which specific wrestlers, but I do remember them trying to really, and it's probably why I love Chef Boyardee as a kid. <laughs> yes. yes. Can you remember which wrestlers were in it? Oddly, I remember Kane. Of oh, all Kane, okay. kind of characters. I feel like Kane was in them. I know, I feel like The Rock was in them, but I just have these memories of Chef Boyardee and they made it sound tough. If at any point they acted like they ate Chef Boyardee and that's why they look big, <laughs> it's like, you gotta be kidding me. The Rock's never touched Chef Boyardee in his life. Yeah, they're not eating Chef Boyardee. <laughs> it's um, predominantly carbohydrates. The, have you seen The Ultimate Warrior? He's never, he never had a carbohydrate. <laughs> so... I talked about my love for WCW. There was a movie that came out that featured all the big names for WCW. It was called Ready to Rumble. Oh, yeah. yeah. David Arquette. And then the other guy, I can never remember his name. He's in other things. But it had Sting in it. It had Goldberg. It had um, just every big, big Booker T was in it, you know. And to see, to so we talk about, storyline entertainment to see these guys who I've been wa sneakily watching on on Monday or Thursday nights now they're in a movie yeah as a kid that was I mean I watched Ready to Rumble so many times I'm sure my uncle Ron took me to see it in the theater yeah um, but that was a that was one of and still is a movie that I really really enjoy um, but you do you have memories of Ready to Rumble I feel like <clears throat> that was probably at I feel like I watched it in recent years, probably in the past like five or six years. But I feel like that came out at an age where I, I feel like most people my age that I went to school with, we had this big peak of wrestling being a part of what we talked about, toys, everything under the sun for all elementary school. So probably like uh, 90 to 95, uh, 1990, 1995. And um, and then after that, I feel like in middle school, people started kind of falling away from it. Mm. And then it wasn't until I was in high school is when the Attitude Era flipped its switch. Okay. And and it was just like, oh, wait a second. Like this is <laughs> I growing up on the icons and kind of the um, origin, just the original nature of WWF with, like I said, Hogan and Warrior and and all of those types of people. Seeing it pivot to the Attitude Era was like was when I started getting back into it. So yeah, I had this weird gap, I would say from like 95 to about 2000, 2001, where okay. it wasn't like, I didn't want a wrestling tour. I was too old mm. for that. Like it wasn't interesting to me anymore. And I think that that conversation of the real or fake got to a point too, where it was just like, oh, you're, you know, you're at this age and you're still watching wrestling and don't you, you should know it's fake. What are you, a little baby? Right. <laughs> you know, there was like, yeah. there was so much peer pressure around it. But then weirdly, the second it went to the Attitude Era, it was just like, nobody called you a baby. for no. Like, you were a loser <laughs> if you didn't watch what was happening during the Attitude Era. And again, like we, we talked about briefly before, the shift of wrestling uh, has been uh, quite transformational over the years to have to recapture a whole new audience yeah. by rebranding and, and changing everything. Um, so yeah, for me... I, I never I, I never saw Ready to Rumble until recently. Um, but li like you were saying, there is something about seeing those wrestlers in a film mm -hmm. outside of your normal day-to-day -day watching them on a, on a TV show that validated how big wrestling was. Like seeing them in other elements, whether it was a, like you said, a Chef Boyardee commercial or a Slim Jim commercial or Rocky Three or Ready to Rumble. Yeah, it validated that, oh, these guys are cool because they're everywhere. You hit the nail on the head. Yeah, like mainstream entertainment. You hit the nail on the head, though. Like, of course, the Attitude Era 
is called that for a reason. But I would also say, if it's fair to say, like it was wrestling got cool again. Yeah, it yeah. got edgy. It got sexy. It got you know, uh, this guy is going around punching his boss, doing the middle finger. Yeah, that was unheard <laughs> of on live te- television, yeah. right? Um, so it's and, and it's like, oh, y'all, y'all, you know, had dreams of maybe wanting to punch a boss. Well, now this guy's doing it. Yeah. It was cool. It just got cool. Um, yeah. You know, you talked about real and fake. I do have to give like a, a, a shout out to a movie that is called Beyond the Mat. Mm. And I'm surprised it actually was even made because it was a behind the scenes movie of this business that's I didn't really know was wanting their secret out of being scripted. Yeah. But, you know, they were showing just how the, there was a match with The Rock and Mankind and The Rock just hit him over and over with chair shots. Yeah. More like 10 more shots than he was supposed to. But in this in this documentary they're talking and they're showing like mankind's wife and their kids and their reactions tears are rolling down the family's yeah. face so we talk about those blurred lines of real and fake right beyond the mat you really exposed young david to whoa this yeah. stuff is actually yeah real in some way oh for sure i, I yeah. t- and um to give the example of mick foley like he um yeah tell him that his screws and titanium plates in his body are fake Right. Yeah. (laughs) Like tell him, you know, falling from a 30 foot cage was fake. Um, Yeah, it was pre-scripted, but it was pre-scripted pain, serious pain. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Serious sacrifices. um, And you're right. For our pleasure. Yes. Yeah. For our, yeah. Are you not entertained? (laughs) Like it's just, it really, it goes to that. Like he just, it was all about uh, keeping the audience captivated. And I, yeah, I remember watching Beyond the Mat as well. And it was a weird element to see a wrestler's family uh, have emotions like that. But it makes sense. Like, they're the ones that go home and, and bandage him up and, and you know, have to, like, go get something from the fridge and walk it over to him because he's, you know, got a, a bolt, you know, bolts and plates in his in his leg or something. So they saw the day-to-day, you know, we saw this this superhuman figure that, like, kept getting up. Like right. they saw the guy that couldn't get out of bed. Like that's totally. that's got to be a yeah a brutal thing. And so yeah, you're right. Those guys. There's certain guys in wrestling that I wouldn't be surprised if you if you if you said the f word around them, they'd probably pop um, you in the mouth. <laughs> you, you find out that it's not fake real quick. <laughs> yeah. um, How does a clothesline feel? Probably pretty bad. <laughs> you know, I always too. It's it's you talked about families like it, I, uh, my, when my students see me outside of school, yeah. they're like flabbergasted. They're like, you don't live at school. These <laughs> wrestlers, I didn't think they had families. I no. could, I had no, I just saw them and they were yeah. larger in life. They were like, this is what all they did. Yes. And yeah. then beyond the mat showed me, whoa, okay, that's not the case. Okay, and speaking of mat, I've never had a, a the experience to actually be on a wrestling mat. Yeah. But that's not a that's not a air a mattress full of no. feathers. No. That's wood under there. Yeah, it's yeah, it's full blown plywood with like a, a, a with canvas wrapped yeah. over it. It's not I, a mat. It's not even a mat. <laughs> yeah. And those ropes aren't made of no cloth tissue those are you know the wrestlers yeah. have all these marks under their arms and stuff like just those those elements in itself that yeah. is that is real pain and i've like i said i've never been dropped on a mat i don't want to either no but i do think we get glimpses we've gotten glimpses over the years when you get a celebrity that goes into the ring and they take their first hit or their first bump is what they call it that you realize that you're like, oh, wait, when you watch a normal person do it, that looks really bad. <laughs> like, that looks like it hurts so, so bad when an average Joe is in there. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I'm glad we're giving love to just the the ring, the ropes. I'm going to say the steel steps, air quotes, steel. I mean, I don't know what they're made of, but I don't want to be probably, rammed into those either. Al- al- yeah, probably aluminum, but there's still sharp, sharp corners and things like that. Aluminum, aluminum. Yeah, aluminum. Um, yeah, workplace safety. <laughs> I feel like wasn't isn't really a thing uh, they, until probably recently in wrestling. They never had the sign of like zero days without an incident. <laughs> no, it never. Well, just don't even put it up. <laughs> well, and even you you mentioned like with seeing like Austin and Vince McMahon like having a boss and a, a, a like a, an <laughs> unstable employee dynamic. How do you like? How do they truly have a human resources department in wrestling? <laughs> you, how do you decipher? 
what is truly like being disrespectful to your body. Was that middle finger a real middle finger <laughs> or yeah, was that a scripted middle finger? <laughs> well, here's HR talking to Stone Cold and then he just gonna, he's going to stun HR. Yeah. <laughs> and he's so, going to walk out. <laughs> and he's sitting there during his HR interview just like slamming back a beer, which is problematic <laughs> in an HR department <laughs> as well. Like, I feel like they, they clearly can't truly have human resources. Like, I don't know how you would do it. <laughs> Right. Um, you talked, I did that bad impression of Arnold. That was a game changer for me when it, when we're talking about pop culture and kind of me switching from WCW to WWF at the time, Arnold was like ringside yeah. um, doing commentary. And so again, blending worlds for young David. Here's my ultimate action guy. Yeah. Now he's talking to this guy named The Rock and that elevated the rock yeah. to me because yeah it just did and then i then i switched from wwf or i was wcwwf and really started following the rock um and uh it's just interesting how that passing of the torch moment they've done it for each other in different yeah. ways you know absolutely um well and it, it's interesting and i think especially in the early 2000s was kind of that era where you again had this big um it, like injection of of celebrities into uh, wrestling that you yeah. have like Mike Tyson come in who is like this. I mean, God, just like he was such a brutal boxer that like he oh, just he, he leveled people like yeah. bout after bout after bout. And then to see him come into a pre-planned sport, you know, but still like throw punches and try to validate that like, oh, this is something fun to watch and then to see his persona and wrestling was cool but it, it is it is amazing that even when you look back to the big like early wrestlemanias of like we had talked about mr t cindy lopper like all these big people to then have it in the early 2000s where it's like mike tyson it's arnold schwarzenegger the amount of governors presidents <laughs> like celebrities like right. people who had like like we're willing to go into the ring because it was entertaining and there was a large audience. Like the amount of people that did that, uh, especially in the early 2000s, was huge. It was and massive. That, that elevated the cool factor. It did, right? Yeah, it made it, it totally mainstream. Did. It finally took wrestling out of its wrestling. Wrestling has like you talked about, like oh, that's for babies or it's not real or it always had at, at some point like a um, shame maybe yes. to yes. it. it, it and and then it then it now it's not it's cool everyone wants to be here everyone wants to be a part yeah. of this you know big big it, names want to do yeah. intros or singing yeah it, it uh yeah there shame is a good good way to put it and i am curious to see if there'll be any point in the future where we go back to how huge it was and mainstream it was in the 80s how huge it was in the early 2000s because i feel like it's not it's still a very much a split. It's like if you bring up that you watch wrestling, you kind of have to gauge the other person totally. and to tell them whether or not they're just like, oh yeah, this weekend I'm watching WrestleMania and right. like, and all of these guys get inducted into the Hall of Fame and it's going to make me emotional. They're going to be like, what the heck is wrong with you? Like, <laughs> yeah. Don't you think that's odd that we still have to do that? Because I totally agree, but it's odd that we have to do that with something that will is continuously sold out continuously number one on t Twitter trending. Yeah. There's going to be hundreds and millions of people watching tonight and tomorrow. And, uh, but you still feel like, yeah, you kind of have to yeah. tiptoe uh, yeah. uh, around the water. And I feel like know? I'm like, we're both treading into that territory where I'm waiting for one of us to be like, it's still real to me. <laughs> dang it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, another thing that I had a like, and another shout out to my uncle Ron. Um, and we'll do a whole episode on video games and consoles. So, but I did majority uh, majority of my gaming was wrestling games. Mm. Um, I had the Nintendo, and my first memory, and honestly, still probably my favorite game wrestling wise. I had it for Nintendo 64, and it was WCW versus NWO Revenge. Mm. And these were they made the wrestlers they they look like cubes almost okay. um because like they couldn't 
the edging for the characters wasn't what it is today, but uh, but you were you got to be you could create your own wrestler. Um, you got to be Goldberg, you got to be Hogan. They had the Halloween Havoc pay-per-view arena. WCW versus NWO Revenge was my favorite game. My uncle and I would play that. We'd play WrestleMania 2000. A lot of great games came out for the N64 and the PlayStation. But did you have memories of growing of wrestling games growing up? It was. <clears throat> I think I played some games with friends that were early wrestling games, but I feel like they were much much older ones, like ones in like the late eighties and early nineties where it's just like the typical eight bit looking yes. two dimensional. Like there's not no, yeah, it was just, there was a classic nature to it. So I feel like I wasn't introduced to uh, mo- more modern wrestling stuff until probably like you got into the 2k versions of WWE things. Oh, okay. So okay. I had this, I have this huge gap of like two dimensional eight bit characters <laughs> with like uh, that, that I feel like there were, there was a, I think there was a WrestleMania, I think there was a main event one, and I think there was another one that were literally arcade cabinets that you would yeah. find at arcades and stuff. So yeah, that was predominantly the way I remember uh, wrestling gaming. And there's this, I don't know, there's this kind of vintage charm <laughs> to oh. to discovering uh, those types of, because as a kid, like you still understood that it's like, oh yeah, this is Hogan, even though it's like... You know, he's like made out of a hundred pixels and that's it. Like, it's just so simple. You asked me this last, last episode, like, can I pick one all time toy? Can you only have four wrestlers for your Mount Rushmore? No sneak, no sneaking it, no sculpting another okay. face. So, and the funny thing is, is this just goes to show how distance, uh, distant I've been from a, a history book that I had to think, is there four or is there five in Mount oh, Rushmore? Oh, I totally Googled it. I totally Googled it. I was like, oh, uh, faces are, and I've seen Mount Rushmore. <laughs> I've been there. I, uh, I feel like the only way I, I'm going to cheat it slightly. Can oh, I have it? Oh, can, can I have a child Mount Rushmore and an adult Mount Rushmore? You can have as many Mount Rushmore's as you want. <laughs> okay, and I'll tell you right now, I'm predicting that the only reason why David's giving me slack is because he needs the same slack. <laughs> have you seen like, my notes? <laughs> How do you? I okay, so I can definitively do a, a kid and an adult. So for a kid, I feel like I've recited their names multiple times now. Where it has to be Hogan, it has to be Macho Man Randy Savage, it has to be Ultimate Warrior. But the hard one for me is the fourth one okay. because there were so many other characters that were so larger than life that like that old school wrestling, it's like you had characters like Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Then it was like this guy with an American flag and a two by four. <laughs> yeah. That was his whole persona, but he was so cool. And then you had like the Bushwhackers who were these like crazy Australian tag team guys that just like were cartoon characters. You had the yeah. road warriors with their spiky oh, yeah. shoulder pads. And like, so to me, I feel like one of those extravagant visual looking ones have to be my four. But the tough thing is, is like, you can't, you can't have a tag team in the fourth slot. It needs to be one person. <laughs> um, so for me, weirdly, I think, I think I'd have to blend over to WCW. I think it'd have to be Ric Flair. Cause I do remember, I remember Ric Flair and having toys of Ric Flair and just his white hair mm. was so... And which is weird because you look at Hogan, he had also like he bleached it so much that it looked <laughs> that it just looked white. And so did Sting. Yeah, and so did like, but for some reason, something about Ric Flair, I remember very like probably in the late 80s, just whenever I saw Ric Flair, I knew that like, oh, that guy's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I like the, the the white hair, the red trunks, there's like he and the way he talked and the way he just slapped his arms and his woo, like he just he was really <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> I actually watched his uh, retirement match when he when he faced Shawn Michaels um, at uh, at WrestleMania, and I've watched it so many times. I still cried last night. Yeah, because Ric Flair has done so much for this industry that we grew up loving, and he's getting he knows the super kick is coming. Yeah, and he's crying, and he tells Shawn, "Do it." Yeah. That again, blurring that lines of real and fake. Like this is his man's job. This is what he's 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 ruined family relationships. He's ruined yeah. things. He's countless he's celebrated divorces. things. Yeah. Yeah. But this is his love, his passion. Yeah. And he takes the super kick and he's crying as Sean Sean says, I love you. I'm sorry. Because yeah. Sean gets it too. 
uh, anyways, just a shout out to Ric Flair, the Nature Boy, Limousine yeah. Riding, Jet Flying, Kiss Stealing, you know, <laughs> Rolex I mean, wearing. Yeah, yeah, he, he is. Uh, to, he's the man. Yeah. So that those are my my childhood four. So do you have a child and adult Mount Rushmore, or do you? I think so, and I have honorable honorable mentions. I got all kinds of things going on over here. Um, so I have to. The, the, I'm gonna get so crucified for this. I already know. <laughs> um, I mean, of course. I I grew up in a different like a different era of wrestling. So my wrestlers are I of course I love Hulk Hogan, of course Flair, of course Undertaker. Right, you can't not Stone Cold Steve Austin. But my my people, of course, my number one is The Rock. So he's he he's always going to be first. Um, I have to then really switch to all the next three are WCW. Oh really? Goldberg, well. mm. Diamond Dallas Page, nice, and Sting. Mm. We, we both have a love for the movie The Crow. Yeah. And when Sting, and that's the Sting I knew. I yeah. didn't know Beach Blonde Sting and the the green and pink yeah. face paint. The white, flat, looking the white flap top, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know this. I grew up with baseball bat, white face paint, that Sting. And I grew up with this guy who was bald and was doing UFC style moves in his entrance. And he was standing in the the sparks and breathing mm. out the spark fumes. So cool. And of course, I'm talking about Goldberg. And Goldberg... Goldberg, like he was larger than life. He was undefeated. He used the the spear and the jackhammer. Young David just. What's interesting is too, we talked about how Ric Flair was able to cut these promos that elevated him. Goldberg wasn't a good Mr. Goldberg. You're not a good wrestler. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he was intimidating, and in the six minutes that they gave him in the ring, yeah, that's all he needed. Nothing more. Yeah, nothing less. And especially back in the day, the fact that he only had like two or three moves. Mm -hmm. Um, But his, (laughs) Mr. Goldberg, please don't come knocking on my door. I feel like when you when he ever he spears people, it looks so dang painful. Oh, I feel gosh, like their yeah. spine looks like it's instantly severed. <laughs> like it just looks so brutal, and he does not hold back. No, like and he doesn't hold. He concusses himself. Yes, sometimes. yes. Well, it, the bad he just headbutting locker room doors and concussing himself before he even makes it <laughs> yeah. to the ring. <laughs> like maybe don't headbutt a steel door. Uh, it's not a Goldberg, great idea. That, that door is not uh, fake aluminum. Yeah, That's a real. Yeah. That is a real door, sir. Oh, okay. <laughs> but like he, I do, I uh, yeah. I remember back in the day, he had this level of intensity that yeah. nobody else had in the ring. Who like, else came, came out with their own security? Was that yeah. to protect him, us? Who? No, it's to protect you. <laughs> yeah, like he, and I feel like he's one of those people that, like, again, I'm, like I will profusely apologize to you. His intensity, like inside and outside of the ring, is so unmatched, and he's yeah. just, and the fact that he looks almost the exact same physique that he did in like 2000, yeah, it is so impressive. Like I, he's just, yeah, he's a beast. He's an absolute he, beast. He is. So he, I love Goldberg. Um, and then Diamond Dallas Page. So the reason I just, there's a match, Goldberg versus DDP. Um, it was Halloween Havoc 1998. I, I rewatch it every Halloween. I rewatched it the other night. Like, the reason I love DDP for this is because we just talked about this brutal force in Goldberg. And here you've got this guy with like, crazy disco blonde hair, purple and black, like costume. Does not look fit, really. I mean, at all. Uh, and, and here he is, though. And he made Goldberg look so good that night. Yeah. And he 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 was kind of like the not cheat to win, but like it, whatever. He's got a, a puncher's chance. He yeah. made you think that, if that makes sense. Um, and he didn't get into wrestling until he was like older. And it's yeah. amazing how he did it such I think so well he was in his like, career. I think he was like thirty eight or thirty nine. Like he was almost forty. That's insane. I, I just turned thirty seven. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, there is not a chance that you could, like, no matter the training, I, like, something will shatter <laughs> on the first hit. Like, I feel like my bones are built very differently than what they used to be. So, yeah, kudos to him in yeah. an era of, now it's like, yeah, when you see Goldberg go out, or, you like, up until a couple of years ago, when you saw Undertaker still go out, and they're in their 50s, yeah. That is all training. That is all physical therapy. That is all supplementation. Nutrition. Like it's a combination of stuff. But yeah, Diamond Dallas Page, you didn't have that 
in the mid to late 90s. Like, the only supplement that was being given to wrestlers was steroids and human growth hormone (laughs) in that era. That was it. There was no other, like, there was no physical training. Like, everything was up to you to take care of your own body as a wrestler back then. And look how cool it is that we've come full circle with him and his DDP yoga. Yeah. And how he's taken in wrestlers, you know, rest in peace, Scott Hall. But DDP really helped Scott Hall. He's helped yeah. shake the Snake Roberts. He's helped other wrestlers who, when they cut, quit the business, all that stuff you described is gone in, yeah. in their life in a sense, right? Right. There's no accountability. And DDP has really helped keep some of our childhood wrestlers alive. He definitely, in my book, is one of... Sadly, one of the only wrestlers that I feel like kind of takes care of his own. Like, yeah. I, I feel like a lot of them are a little selfish. Sure. Uh, and, and that is not Diamond Dallas Page. Like, he is not a selfish man. I, I totally agree. Um, I have to say some honorable mentions. Um, so was that kid. your kid or adult? Or which one was that? I'm going to go with that's my kid. Okay. And then I guess as an adult... Uh, again, The Rock still fits there. Maybe as an adult, that's where I switch back to WWF because I would say The Rock and Stone Cold, Triple H. Mm. And then I really thought hard on this last because I'm going to go, I want to say Kurt Angle. Here's why because you had to have a, if you have to have a really good baby face, you need a really good heel. Yeah. And you for a guy's chance to getting. You suck, Chance. You know yeah. he's made it in that heel. And yeah. when we say heel and babyface, babyface is a good guy. Heel is um, the bad guy for anyone who doesn't know those terms There's for wrestling. Manisha's reminder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see if he's listened this he's far. He's not going to listen to this. So, but you have... And and you also have to have even if it's two baby faces, two heels, you have to have someone that's going to bring out the best in you. And The Rock and Stone Cold, in any element to me, elevated the entire scene of wrestling. And it brought yeah. out their their promos were incredible, their matches were incredible, their storytelling. Um, and just like I rewatched wrestle, so wrestle. Here's what I when we talked about pop culture. WrestleMania 17 had this really cool hype video with Limp Biscuit doing yeah. that. And I mean that as young David, I used to watch it and I get goosebumps. I get yeah. chills because it was like this face off is going to be epic. Yeah. And it was the first memory I have of wrestlers doing each other's finishing move. Yeah. I never saw that before. And no one, you didn't do that. No. Stone Cold no. gave the stunner. The Rock gave the rock bottom. Yeah. Then when they did it reversal, I was like, my, my mind was blown. Yeah. So here's mine for adult. And this is uh, <clears throat> one of them. I think I might get some with, with people that we know that are wrestling friends. I might get some heat for. Um, uh, I'll have to agree with you. As an adult, it is b- definitely The Rock. Definitely Stone Cold. Definitely Triple H. Yes, but the game. If if we're going for just a Mount Rushmore of wrestling, I feel like Vince McMahon has to be on there. <gasps> The boss. I really do. He's he's made bad decisions <laughs> in recent years. <laughs> that sadly has taken the fun out of wrestling for me. That like that like I loved wrestling so much as a kid, and it's still so connected with me as an adult. But sadly, I do look forward to the day where he steps down gracefully, and you have somebody like Triple H step in and take over this new era of wrestling. And much like we talked about, I feel like that that would give birth to. The 80s era of like WrestleMania 1, 2, and 3 okay. was huge and iconic and massive. Like 2000, 2001, 2002, like that era of Attitude Era was massive and huge. And we have not like, we're 20 years due. Like we we need that yeah. shift. But, you know, Mr. McMahon, I will give you credit. <laughs> to build this industry, the way it's been built is is amazing. And yes, that they're... You know, there's been some some bumps along the way, but the fact that he still shows up every once in a while and cuts a promo, and you still hate him, and you still <laughs> like you to have one guy for so long, for so long, take his dad's legacy and turn it on its head, yeah, and 
shoot it to the fricking moon. Like it's just, it's night and day. What his father did right. um, is impressive and that it can't be un, unrecognized. So he would be four on, on my adult Mount Rushmore. You, you start, you compliment him here at the end, but you did say you want to, okay, just have in my notes that I need to give your address to Mr. Goldberg and Mr. <laughs> McMahon so they can show up to your door tonight as you're watching WrestleMania um, and put you through a table. <laughs> um, so those are, I I love that last one from Vince McMahon. You're right. Um, we talked about we talked the, the cross the boss the villain that he yeah. had so you know yeah he's larger than life and still is. Um, I have some honorable mentions because as a kid too, Billy Kidman he did a shooting star press off the top rope. A kid as I love that. And then Kane was always really cool to me because yeah. he was the the big red machine, the monster. And the anytime you had flames coming out of ropes or the ring. Yeah. That was sick, you know. Yeah. So, and then Kevin Nash, I he was in my time. He wasn't Diesel because that was WWE, WWF. He was big, sexy Kevin Nash. Yeah, the Wolfpack. And like I said, I've got the NWO Wolfpack red and black. That that's what I grew up with. And I know I'm gonna get heat for that because that was that was later, and people were like, "Well, but Sting joined the Wolfpack." But as a kid, I loved that, and I loved yeah. those colors. So yeah, yeah those I, are some honorable mentions. Yeah, it's hard not to recognize just the efforts of so many different people because I had a hard time determining whether or not John Cena was on my adult Mount Rushmore. Well, you can't uh, see him if you put him on there. That's true. It just be <laughs> this blank face. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I feel like for him, it's like if you had a Mount Rushmore of wrestlers off screen, uh, he is all four faces. Like yeah. what he's done with a Make-A-Wish and um, the fact yeah. that he's like a record holder for the most Make-A-Wishes of any celebrity. Um, and the fact that so many kids, like that's who they want to see in their yeah. final days or their final moments. That goes to show, like we've talked about this whole time, the larger than life nature of this, that like, you know, uh, there's something to be said about like, asking to see a character that is, isn't real, you know, but, but at the same time, the fact that he shows up in his full gear and, and, and like, he's, he's one of those unique people that wait, he is like John Cena in the ring and John Cena outside of the ring, especially modern day, John Cena is the same human being. Yeah. And, and that he's kind of dropped that old school, you know, persona of being a, a, a rapper okay. or like this, yeah. you know, Gangster the thug life rapper. sort of thing. Thug life, that's yeah. thugonomics. Yeah, thugonomics. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like I, yeah, he gets a ton of credit for that. And same with, I feel like Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, they've done a yeah. lot with Make-A-Wish and the Warrior Award that they do every yes. year. Susan G. Coleman, like the, they raise hundreds of millions of dollars every Absolutely. single year for breast cancer research. Um They've turned into a company that, yeah, they all companies have their flaws, uh, but at the same time, they do some some great good um, in a lot of different categories for even the Connor's Cure stuff. Yes, I'll tell you what. Much like you were saying, certain things in wrestling like tear you up. Whenever I watch the the footage that they show every year for like the Hall of Fame and stuff, where they show Daniel Bryan with with Connor, Connor's yeah. a crusher. You know, who is in stage four cancer and yeah. was, I think, not even 10 years old, like eight or nine years old. And everybody's, <clears throat> can't yeah, even talk about it. Like yeah. everybody's in the ring and he's taking bumps. Like, and they, like he pins, he picks up Triple H's giant tree trunk leg <laughs> and, and pins him. Yeah. Like, what amazing people. Like, um, and to continue that connection of, uh, of like the, the fact that we connected to it as kids because they were larger than life. Now to connect with a wrestler and kids have an advantage nowadays that you can connect with John Cena or with Triple H and know that they're a really good human being. Yeah. It, like even if they're being mean on screen, <laughs> if right now they're a heel, you know that the second they walk out of the ring and you're there, they're going to shake your hand. They're going to, they're going to sign an autograph. They're going to like, uh, you know, go to a charity event and they're going to yeah. flip that switch. Um, that had to have been tough for those old school wrestlers to be like, no, when you're on the road and somebody yells at you, like you need to yell back at them because you're the bad guy. Like you, don't you need break to character. Yeah. You don't break yeah. character. Um, so that is yeah. a, a really big benefit to, to nowadays is you get to see who these, who these people are uh, off, off camera. And a lot of them are really great people. I think that's a really good point about John Cena because he's done all those make a wish the most ever, he carried WWE for at least 10 years. Like the dude was, he was 
he did all those make he he did all those make a wish, but he was like the busiest guy of all time at the same time. Yeah, and he yeah. still dedicated that time. And yeah, I I love that so much. Um, yeah, well, so I think good. Pe- I think people also don't realize that. You know, if if we have any listeners that's made it this far that aren't into wrestling, thank you so much for listening. (laughs) But at the same time, I think for those listeners, you need to take into consideration that there is a lot of elements of our pop culture that were influenced by wrestling. And especially it's like, who who have you ever stumbled across that isn't fond of Dwayne The Rock Johnson? Like everybody talks about, you know, Dwayne Johnson for president, 2024, like, you know, and that he's a great person and a great human being. His life is solely centered around wrestling. His whole family, wrestling icons, wrestling legacies. And, um, and I think for him to be the, one of the biggest box office draws in the entire world, like you don't get the persona of Dwayne Johnson without the rock. Like Agreed. that's that's what we're all drawn to, whether you are or aren't a wrestling fan, is the rock. Like yep. is when he flips that switch, raises that eyebrow, gives a little trash talk, or gives his, you know, uh the entrance announcement to the Super Bowl. Right. He has this electricity and that electricity is wrestling people. Like uh, that's what that's from. It's yep. from wrestling. That's yeah. the entertainment side. And yeah. That's where he started it. I could actually do the people's uh, eyebrow. I would do it a lot in middle school. Like I'd run around and do, you know, show a girl, hey, you know. I <laughs> thought I was really cool. I was actually just really single. But, you know, that's okay. Well, um, you saw the way that I did it. <laughs> like, I to, like, thank I, God I, this is a podcast. I can, I can do like both of them, but like there's no <laughs> independence between these two at all. Yeah, that, that's pretty, you got quite a peek on it too. It's impressive. Um, <laughs> So, you know, with that said, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. I hope you're going to maybe watch WrestleMania uh, tonight. Maybe learn some things about wrestling. You can tell Eric and I just have, a, even from uh, young David, young Eric, our passion for wrestling, even if we're not always invested in like, current stuff, we just still have a love for it. Um, so eat your vitamins, say your prayers. <laughs> That's the bottom line. Stone Cold said so. All that good stuff. <laughs> if you smell what bygone geek is cooking. Thanks for listening. And until the next time you see us or hear us, be sure to live your life with just a little bit of whimsy. (laughs) That was bad. (laughs) That was awesome. Thank you for tuning in to Bygone Geek. Please rate and review our podcast and follow us on Instagram at Bygone Geek. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin.